Listening Dog Media. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Muddy Knees Media. Welcome to the Offside Rule. It's me, Lindsay Hooper, in the hot seat this week, whilst Kate is very much in a hotter seat, enjoying life in Dubai. It's not just the players who've had a mid-season break. Uh, Kate has been on one as well. But the good news is I have in alongside me a red devil and a hornet, neither of which will be removing a mask to reveal a talented singer at any point during this show. I lived with one of them. I know she isn't. (laughs) I can't speak for you, Emma. No. You're not a good singer. No, absolutely not. Okay. I'm very firm on that. Well, let's introduce you properly. So first up, <laughs> uh, it is the Hornet, first of all. We're going to go with BBC Five Live, Radio London presenter, as well as a stadium announcer, Emma Saunders. Good to have you back. Hello. I'm very, very jealous of Kate's holiday. I know. That, that is how you do a winter break, isn't it? I can't wait to hear all about Dubai. I know. Winter sun. Yeah. You guaranteed it, aren't you? And alongside her, it's the Athletics UK head of social media and South London women footballer, Harriet Drudge. And former roomie. Former roomie, yeah. Yeah, a few years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and rude about not being a good singer. Ouch. I was in a choir for 12 years. Uh, well, maybe it's more of the, the choir sort of song. I'm, I'm just thinking more pop. Fair enough. That used no, to that's, just be in the shower. That's I, legit. Yeah. 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 Listening to I don't think either of us really were, were great, <laughs> really. Um, so how are you both doing? I'm going to start with Harriet because you've been playing football now quite some time for a South London team. How is it going? Where are you in the league? What's happening? Uh, we're currently second in the league. Uh, by quite some distance, we've we've uh, got a bit of a points gap to the chasing pack. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had obviously weather affected matches in the last few weeks, which Storms. is unfortunate. Yes. Yeah, I think I've only played once since I was last on, and we lost, which was only our second defeat of the season. It played in horrible conditions. It was a real effort to even turn and run, let alone actually kick a football. But now it's going well, and yeah, I'm not injured, which is great. Keep that up because it's only a matter of time, Harriet. 
Uh, Emma, you went off to the Milan Derby. I did. With producer for our WSL show, Lucy. Yeah. And I was so jealous. I mean, I see him quite often, but to see a picture of you having a hug with Raul Jimenez from yeah. Wolves. It, the the whole trip got off to the most bizarre start. I mean, we'd only been in, um, got to the airport, boarded our Ryanair flight, and then suddenly on trots, Raul Jimenez. And we're thinking, hang on a minute, it was quite early in the morning, but what's he doing boarding this flight? Surely you'd you know, charter a private jet if you were him going to Milan. And also, what's he doing going to Milan over his winter break like it was lots of questions I want to know that that was nothing related football well, wise yeah, yeah. I, I hate to say it for anyone out there that has a bit of a crush on Mr Jimenez but he was greeted at the airport by his beautiful oh. girlfriend and her family it turns out I think she's some kind of yeah public figure celebrity uh, actress or something in Italy, um, so that was all very excited. And then wow. we got scanned for coronavirus just before we even set foot out the airport. And then the Milan derby itself, wow, what a game that was. The first 20 minutes of it were a bit rubbish and we were looking at each other thinking, oh, we know we've spent all this money come this way, this is awful. Um, but then, it, yeah, it got going. Four, six goals in the end, 4-2. <gasps> yeah. Now, you need to tell me, so I went and did some Europa League filming once and went to the San Siro. In fact, we took a drone and did some really oh, cool wow. pictures above the stadium, but yeah. we weren't allowed loud inside it was like <gasps> you can't touch it you can see it but you can't oh, touch no. it so what was it like in there uh, I mean yeah it was literally rocking um when when the fans were sort of jumping up and down cheering we were looking at each other thinking they are closing this in a few years and that's for a reason <gasps> so yeah it's really really old but I love that I love how much character and history it's got and it was absolutely packed to the rafters. And then pre-match, you know, when the TIFOs appear and either side have um, planned this huge display before kickoff, it, it is quite something. It's one of those things, I only took about three pictures. I had to borrow them all off Lucy because you're so in awe, you just take it in. I didn't even think to take my phone Living out. in the moment. Nothing yeah. wrong with that, Emma. Yeah. Nothing wrong this day and age. Just yeah, taking it, it in with your eyes. It was quite something I would recommend anyone and do it now because, yeah, San Siro, it's not going to be there for much longer. If anyone as well loves their graffiti around the stadium there's some awesome graffiti I'm, I'm quite into that so yeah. uh, took some photos there when I went if you go check it out uh, so coming up today we're bringing back some golden oldest to provide some much needed bolstering to our own teams and after the week that Manchester City have had wow uh, we're talking bans the weird the serious ones to teams or players that they faced over time but before we get into the show though a quick reminder that you can hear us on Jack Radio Fridays at 4pm so all of that on the way but first Timo Werner. It's a good ball played in. That's going to be a penalty. It's Ben Davis on the Conrad Lima, and no choice at all for the Turkish referee. It's Timo Werner of Germany against Hugo Lloris of France, and Werner scores. Ice call finish from the spot. Ilicic makes the first touch. Got it out of his feet. That's what happened next. Holland on that left point. What about that? Stupendous strike and nearly took the net off.
going with alliteration this time. European euphoria. Thank you, producer Abby. Uh, it's been a big week of Champions League football as we saw the first tranche of the round of 16 ties take place. And there were wins for Atletico Madrid and Borussia Dortmund on Tuesday, Atalanta and RB Leipzig on Wednesday. Note the absence of any English teams so far. Uh, first up, who impressed you the most? You can pick out individuals, players. There's been lots going around on social media or teams, whatever you fancy. I'll start with Harriet. Uh, I think Timo Werner, RB Leipzig, scored mm. his 26th goal of the season to take the win home for Leipzig. He's just been the talk of talk of the town, um, in, especially in Germany, as they're as they're challenging for the title. And although you know they Leipzig started really really well um, in the first 20 minutes, you could see that they were really pushing forward. They looked composed, and even though he missed a couple of chances in the first half, in the second half when he. St- uh, stood up to take that penalty. It was just so calm, so composed. Um, and he did a really, really good job last night. It's like you say, a lot of eyes on him. In fact, there's quite a few players at the moment that have been linked with English Premier League clubs. I suppose we'd, it'd be a miss of us not to mention Haaland as well. Was was he in your thoughts, Emma? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that goal he scored, the bullet. I've, I've lost count the amount of times I've watched it back. It's kind of up there. I was that. saying, I want another angle. Yeah. I want another angle. Yeah. I know. I mean, I'm sure BT will come up with something, won't they? They do this unfiltered thing where they do that. They release about eight different angles of a goal, but the noise it made when it wow. hit the back he of the He was like net. a rampaging bull. He really That's was. what I would have said he, if this, I was I mean, he, he's, he's really, really quick. I think we all know that. But apparently, he was three-tenths of a second off the world 60-metre record at one point, <gasps> running on that pitch. It was registered, yeah. He is super quick. So this is the one thing. So have you been hearing this debate since his, his performance? It's been Haaland versus Kane. Who is the better striker? And... You cannot doubt that Haaland's quicker than Kane, mm. but the all-rounder, are we still thinking that Kane edges it? Haaland, I think you've got to give Haaland more years. He's not as yes. experienced as Harry Kane, so it's quite a Still only 19. Compar- exactly, it's quite a difficult comparison to make. But if you take Haaland at Kane's age in years to come, I wouldn't mind betting that he's going to be a more complete striker. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that sprint that he did, he'd actually cleared the ball f- from a corner. So he was basically on his own goal line. I headed it away and then was just motoring up the pitch when that top speed was recorded. The I thing, think the, sorry, the other thing to add about Haaland as well, which I think is really different to Kane, he has this huge level of arrogance about him, which I think is going to take him to the Ronaldo, to the Messi level. Uh, and I think you need that extra level of arrogance. And to start with, it made me think, oh, I don't like you as a character. But now that he's backing it up with the goods, you think, wow, you're going to be quite a player, aren't you? If you are looking as well at all-round finishers, you know, I think Kane probably has that edge at the moment clearly because of the age difference as well but one of the areas that you think that Haaland can work on is finishing it with headers mm. I don't see him as a, a header of the ball yet when it comes to finishing like I'm going to bring up my own player but Raul Jimenez at Wolves got a great header on him and I think if he can work on that area but his left foot and right foot finishing wow Mm. Wow, wow, wow. Any more? Um, just bringing it back to that game in North London from a Spurs point of view, Mourinho, the analogy that he came out with before the game was bizarre enough. You know, this thing about going going down the lift or the stairs, hanging on to the balcony, I think is what he was he was saying. You wondered where that game against Leipzig left them. Well, apparently it's like having a gun with no bullets is the latest things he said, which I... I get it. I guess what he's alluding to is a situation where they don't really have any goal scorers with Kane and Son being out. But they do. Troy Parrott. But Mourinho's stubbornness, you're just never, never going to see it. But you only need to look back. I think it was 20, was it 2016 when Marcus Rashford 
was finally given his opportunity in the same circumstances. In fact, it was at a Watford game. I was announcing, I'll never forget this, looking down at the bench and it was full of all these high shirt numbers, your 40s, 50s. Number 46, Marcus Rashford. And we were like, who's that? Who's that? Yeah. And then look what he did in that week. He ended up making his European debut against Midtjylland and scoring in that. And then coming back to the Premier League and scoring against Arsenal. These kids just need a chance. I think when you're in the mire that Tottenham are, surely you just give them a go. You're onto something there as well, because even if you read into Mourinho's joking in the press conference, when he was asked about it, he jokes by saying about Peter Crouch. I mean, that just says it all, doesn't it? He's looking older. He's looking for that experience. No way would he he step up and say, oh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll look to the, the younger mm. lads coming through, which is a crying shame. I'm going to speak about another manager, actually, that caught my eye. The animated Diego Simeone, <laughs> Atletico Madrid. I, I love him so much to watch. He was like an an orchestra conductor, wasn't he? he? The way that he whipped the fans up, he was he was orchestrating all the time with his hands fist pumping, really getting them to play a huge part in the result against Liverpool. And I and I thought that the return leg at Anfield will be a very interesting encounter. That's March the 11th. That was only Liverpool's third defeat of the season. And I think if you were going to have money on someone getting one over on Liverpool, it would be Diego Simeone. He sets them up so well. I've got a couple of stats from this one. So Atletico, they've won 25 of 26 two-legged ties in the Champions League where they've won the first leg. So that's bad news for Liverpool fans, potentially. Potentially, but then Liverpool have got previous against Spanish opponents mm-hmm. and having a first leg defeat away from home and bringing them back and and Anfield doing this, almost the same thing um, we all remember Barcelona from last season yeah. and I suppose as well in their favor is that that when you say 25 of 26 the one that they actually did lose was last season and, and it was when they lost 3-2 on aggregate against Juventus uh, another one which is very uh, very much like an optostat so the the Champions League under Simeone Atletico have only lost knockout ties uh, that have had Cristiano Ronaldo in the opposition squad <laughs> right mm. yeah another Roman I just think it was it was an off night for Liverpool but when the rip-roaring form they're in that is eventually going to happen and I think if you're a Liverpool fan there's nothing really wrong with it happening away at Atletico Madrid um, Diego Simeone said beforehand look the plan is here we're going to score early and we're going to defend solidly it had to be perfect and it was you can't I don't think you can necessarily complain too much about there it's all about what they do at Anfield next and you've seen Anfield this season. I, I would back Liverpool to go and do it. Those front three, yes, they look tired. But when you look at some of the biggest players across the continent, statistically, your likes of Messi, Ronaldo's, they're nowhere near as much game time as those front three for Liverpool. So eventually it's going to hit them. And I, I love this analogy that Kelly Cates used on Five Live. She said that that Atletico team were like table football men. They were so, so solid. And I think eventually, when you're giving it so much as Liverpool are domestically, when you run into a team like that that is so well organised you're going to come up against it. And it's, an, it's a narrow scoreline. They, they can turn that around at Anfield. Another couple of teams that don't get much of the back pages or much of the column inches, Atalanta and Valencia. But I wanted to mention them both because Valencia, they're seventh in La Liga, Atalanta a fourth in Syria. And they've scored 63 goals this season, Atalanta. So anyone who's thinking, oh, they're the ones to get in the next draw, not necessarily. 
Yeah, absolutely not. I think if you were one of the English sides of anything, it'd be quite the opposite, wouldn't it? You wouldn't want to be run out against a team like that. Yeah, absolutely. They played City earlier in the group stages, didn't they? And, and they struggled a little bit. And Atalanta won that one for one. So teams in action next week. Let's just remind everyone, because uh, do you think the winner's going to come out of the ones we've already seen? Or could it be any of these ones? Napoli versus Barcelona. Chelsea play Bayern. Real Madrid against Man City. And Lyon against Juve. <sighs> It's so hard to call, but there is something that is so excited about this Borussia Dortmund team. I love watching, and their their front three. I lo- absolutely love this stat that came out of the Champions League midweek. So Dortmund's front three players were all English-born. So you've got Jaden Sancho, born in London, uh, Rayner, that was born in Sunderland, and Haaland, that was born in Leeds. Um, so are we adopting them as another side to, to cheer yeah, on in the I Champions think, League? I think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Emma. I, I wouldn't put it past... Manchester City now, given what they've, you know, what they've had to deal with this week, especially to go, just go and win it now. Just Pep, it would be classic, I think, if Pep was just like, right, all all our eggs now in this basket, and just go and win it, just to just say, oh, we don't need it. And that brings us on nicely, Harriet. We can keep Europe covered there, but we will talk Manchester City more next and the ban that they've had and other bans in football. This is The Offside Rule with Lindsay Hooper, Harriet Drudge and Emma Saunders. So on to the next topic, Manchester City. What a shock that was on Friday. I I was at Wolves against Leicester. Pops up as an alert on the phone and you're like, what? Manchester City banned for two years as it stands. That's pending an appeal and they are putting one in. And they've got this huge fine as well. And the implications that could have for them, but also for the Premier League as well. Yeah, City have have always come out and said they are definitely going to be appealing this ban. It definitely came as a bit of a shock, but the statements came out at the same time you made for City. So they've been preparing for it the thing that's got them into trouble a little bit is well not a little bit a lot is the fact that they've withheld information that's the thing that's been a bit different from when they've been pulled up on financial fair play before yeah I mean I was I was at home uh, with my family I'm not out on Valentine's Day obviously but yeah we just see this and i literally dropped my phone and it was like mid-dinner as well I was getting all these inf- all these notifications through because obviously then you've kind of got to get get back on it and do some do some research and, and help out with the with the editorial desk at the athletic it is the first time it stopped me in my tracks since it's Rebecca Vardy since I read that on my phone. <laughs> well, I, I was in the hot seat of Five Live with a, a show all planned out for three hours. We had commentary of the Wolves game and sort of hour leading up to that, all magazine quite nice, all quite laid back. Door flings open at quarter to seven or whatever it was and we're just getting ready to go on air at seven. This news is broken. So that completely tore up our running, running order. I just think it's a massive call from UEFA because if you're right, Harriet, and Man City throw everything at this now and win it, What's the competition going to be like next year without the winners in it? Mm. Yeah, and they want to give them that to think about. And well, the, the appeal process will probably take quite a long time, so it might not be next season's Champions League. Where if the ban is upheld, then it might not be next season because the appeal process might take so long. The Court of Arbit- Arbitration. I had a whole hour of that on Friday <laughs> night. <laughs> Just say cat. <laughs> the Court of Arbitration wants an answer by June. That might help with that, Harriet, but it is a good point to raise because these things tend to drag on, don't they? Let's talk about other bands in football. Weird and wonderful, serious if you want. Some of the longest, some of the shorter ones. Uh, what have you got for me this time, Harriet? Well, I've gone quite rogue. And rogue? You? Yeah, yeah, me. And you mentioned Troy Parrot earlier on and uh, I've got a story about a parrot. 
who was banned from a football match. Um, okay. So this was in the Hertfordshire Senior Centenary Trophy quarterfinal. Bit of a mouthful. Um, <laughs> it's nearly as bad as court of arbitration. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, a fan had brought along a pet parrot to watch the football and it kept mimicking the referee's whistle. So the referee had to go over and say, sorry, you've got to go. And the, the parrot was banned from Aww. coming ever again. And it obviously had got really into it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's really engrossed getting into the game. Well, keeping in with the bird theme, but I'm sorry, it's just slightly more morbid. Um, we have to go over to Colombia for this example. It was a game between Deportivo Pereira and uh, Junior Barranquilla. I think I'm saying that correctly. If anyone's been to Crystal Palace, you'll know that there's an eagle that kind of swoops down um, yes. across the game before you go. It's quite dramatic, isn't it? I quite like yeah. it. I've, I think I filmed a feature around the eagle once. Well, this side, uh, Junior Barranquilla, have a lucky mascot, which is an owl. And um, apparently during the game, it flew down to the ground with an injured wing. And Louis Moreno, who's a Deportivo Pereira defender, kicked it. Oh, no. And I hate to say, apparently it then died of shock. So as a ban, well, he escaped jail, which was apparently potentially on the cards. um, But he was forced to do community work at a zoo, banned for two games and fined $500. Just two games? I know. Animal cruelty. Yeah. We don't want any more of those examples. Um, Yeah. Harriet, for Manchester United, going to remind you of one. Nanny, when Nanny joined Manchester United, this is back in 2007, you may recall at the very beginning, he did a lot of backflips. Yes. Yes, yes he did. So Sir Alex Ferguson noticed this and thought, I don't want him landing on his head, getting injured. £17.3 million at the time. That, that wouldn't be good enough. So I'll give him a, a warning, first of all. Uh, he proceeded to then do a double backflip in his next match. So I think he, he got a few fines and a few bans later and eventually stopped doing it as much although I don't think he ever really stopped stopped no I don't think so I think he just altered the technique a little bit and did you know <laughs> he did some other acrobatics yeah go on on the theme of uh, people doing backflips Luana Lua Lua used to do some pretty impressive backflips when he used to play but I think he used to love mayonnaise he used to have, have mayonnaise with everything and he was banned his diet he wasn't allowed to have mayonnaise anymore by one of his managers when he was at Portsmouth which wouldn't be any good for me either I love mayo yeah. love a bit of mayo I love a bit of mayo actually Paolo Di Canio when he came in as manager at Sunderland I don't know if any of you remember this but he banned I do just <laughs> about everything the no mobile phones there was this quote where he famously said it'd be thrown in the North Sea if he catches anyone on a phone they weren't allowed fizzy drinks they weren't allowed ketchup or mayo any kind of fast food they weren't even allowed to joke or gossip within three hours of uh, kickoff time on a match day he he kept them up that season but uh, yeah didn't last much longer the following season it's a wonder I still haven't got arm ache. I did a post-match interview with him and I was stood there interviewing, <laughs> interviewing Paolo Di Canio. I asked the first question and 11 minutes yeah. later, he was still answering wow. it and I was still holding my hand out. <laughs> Hurt a lot. Chelsea, I think if we went through, there's quite a few examples of drugs or missing drugs tests and things like that for bands in football, but I... I purposely picked out these two right next to each other because they both played for Chelsea at the time. So 2003, you might remember Mark Bosnich. This is uh, for cocaine use. Nine months uh, was the ban and he also lost the appeal and his contract was terminated with the club. And then you'd think, well, that's warning enough, which makes Adrian Mutu even stupider because then the season after, seven-month ban because he got tested positive for cocaine and he was never seen in English football again. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. One of the bans for anyone listening attentively to this podcast that I'd like to introduce is for drilling when recording podcasts. <laughs> anyway, any more for any more? 
Um, on a lighter note, Stefan Schwartz, a Swedish midfielder, which you re- might remember played for Arsenal and then Sunderland in the late 90s, early 2000s in the Premier League. He was actually banned from going out of space. This is dead serious. So when he joined Sunderland uh, for Val- from Valencia, the club had played multiple millions for him. They had to put a clause in his contract, which stated that if he was to travel into outer space, then his contract would be, then be made invalid. And apparently it's because his agent had a couple of places booked in advance with this airliner that at the time said that they would be taking commercial flights into space in the early 2000s. <laughs> so, yeah, they had to put a stop to that. He was signed um, up, but he was no, ready to go. Yeah, I don't. As far as I know, he never made it to outer space and um, finished his career. Yeah, at Sunderland, he could still make it to Mars. <laughs> that could still happen. Rangers uh, in December two thousand and fifteen decided to ban their youth players from growing beards, which I just found completely bizarre. I think this is related to a previous The Offside Rules story that Kate Borsay was telling about when in Scotland a, a youth team were actually I think they were posing to be under 18s or something but actually were about 21 and they all had full on beards. So they probably said well then we don't have any confusion if they don't if they don't grow the beards no one's going to think that they're... <laughs> well the Rangers hierarchy and, and the, the manager at the time said that it was in, in a bid to improve player discipline that they weren't allowed to grow beards. I don't know how that would affect discipline, um, but yeah, they were banned from growing beards. Well, if you've spotted any good bans, we want to hear more of those to throw into the pile. So at Offside Rule Pod is our Twitter handle. There's so many out there. Obviously, the Luis Suarez bite, that was a huge ban, all that sort of thing. But I don't think many will top this one. A French non-league player was banned back in November 2019 for five years for biting an opponent's private part. You're not meant to do that in football. Um, apparently, the victim required 10 stitches, had to take four days off work. You're not he, meant to do that in football. You're not meant to um, do that generally. What, what, what can we say? He was clearly going for the ball. <laughs> clearly, clearly and was. Missed. Which one? Which one? Uh, next, bring back the legends. Ted, my boy, it's going to be legend. Wait for it. Dairy. Legendary. So the studio's packed out with a Wolves fan, me, a Man United fan, Harriet, and a Watford fan in Emma. And what I want you to do for this one, we're looking at golden oldies, um, but you're looking at your team as it currently is, in the system that it is, the manager that you've got, and the style that you've been playing. And you're going back into your archives, and you're picking out one player that can come back into your starting eleven to make it better it's going to bolster the squad so who is it that you bring in and isn't necessarily the best player that's ever been at your club which Harriet you'd have a few to choose from Uh, Emma and I are struggling a little bit more but there are plenty that you could bring in to help right now who would you go for right now Emma? Well, with Watford's position in the table I think it's safe to say we could probably strengthen in a lot of areas of the pitch but the back line we've conceded 40 goals this season uh, we've got the joint second worst goal division um, goal difference in the league so john mcclelland Okay, you're you're forgiven if this name doesn't ring. It a bell. doesn't. I'm going to be honest. He was brought in by possibly the greatest ever Watford manager, Graham Taylor, and I think that says a lot immediately. If Graham Taylor's signing a player, he must be pretty good. So he was a centre back. He played for Watford 231 times over five seasons, and in that time, he won the Player of the Season award twice. Which typically is defender. They don't tend to win those kind no, of awards. No. It's often goal scorers. I was reading an interview with him, actually, where he also said he didn't really pay much attention outside of the game when he was playing. He said he didn't used to watch much TV or check the league table, which I think this kind of focus Watford probably need right now. And moreover, this is the good bit. His debut was at home to Sunderland in uh, 1984. Watford were in the relegation zone at the time. They needed to turn results around. 
they beat them 3-1 that day and went on to win five in a row. <gasps> so bring back John McLennan, who apparently is a postman now in Leeds. Oh, so I John, like you're welcome That's back anytime. Harriet. Brilliant. Well, you say that you could do with a few swaps. I feel like Man United could do with quite a few swaps as well with some golden oldies coming back. So there's two positions really that we've been crying out for recruitment in. One is striker. Obviously, we've brought in Agallo in January and see how he'll get on. But the other is in midfield. Uh, Fred's had a bit of a renaissance this season. Last season, he just couldn't do the simple things well. He'd he'd win the ball back. He, he'd always work really, really hard. But then as soon as he won the ball back, he'd give it away straight away. But this season's a bit of a different story. He's playing really well. It's his deeper midfielder partner that I'm going to swap out. So, sorry, Nemanja Matic. Bye-bye. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to replace him with Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes is my favourite ever player, but... The reason to bring him back, and he, he came back, uh, obviously, famously, after he retired. He did co- make a little comeback for a season and a half, making a, a second debut, I guess, against Manchester City in the FA Cup. They were winning 3-0 at the time. He came on, and it went to 3-2, but let's skirt over that. But I think we just need a bit more dynamism in that midfield. We need someone who can not only play those amazing lofty forward passes for the quicker players like Dan James to run onto but also just a, a bit more nous about the game and a bit more uh, yeah game management he used to manage a game really well mm-hmm. uh, so he could slow it down when it needed to slow it down and keep possession that's you know the biggest thing at the moment as well is we turn over possession far too easily and he just used to he used to boss games on his own so I would bring back Paul Scholes. I'm bringing back a midfielder as well into Wolves current squad because I think the one thing that we're missing is a midfielder who's scoring goals. Now, I think Ruben Neves is brilliant. He's great at taking free kicks and Jean Moutinho, but I want to slot in another one there and bring back Alex Ray. Now, Alex Ray, uh, he scored seven goals in his first season at Wolves. He got player of the year that season as well. And I think as well, when you look at important goals, uh, I remember the playoffs when we got to the playoff final, the match before that, when Wolves played Reading, uh, he scored the goal that got us to the Division 1 playoff final so you want someone who can also handle the pressure on those occasions he would do that and in the Premier League when we eventually from that player final because we beat Sheffield United just to point out and then went up um, he scored eight goals and was Wolves highest scorer that season it wasn't good enough for for us to stay in the league but he's the sort of player that we need in midfield someone who's going to chip in with a few goals here and there so that it isn't always on Jimenez Traore and Jota but that there's also some goals coming from a bit further back and I don't think we've been having as many of those so that's why I would be bringing in Alex Ray. Um, I know when I said golden oldies that a couple of you were starting to message saying about really old players. I mean, obviously it would be probably be Billy Wright for Wolves, but for you, Emma? Well, no, I was going to say John McLennan is back from the 80s. I'd probably go more recent on the flip side. You mentioned mm. Doddy Inagalo. I'd have him back at Watford in a heartbeat. I mean, when that first season Watford came back up to the Premier League, he scored 15 goals that season. I know a lot of people are quick to criticise maybe the way his, his hold-up play isn't the best, but that season he was prolific. And when you look at it now, our top scorer, you know, Troy Deeney's only on five. I think Andre Gray's only scored two. Granted, Watford did play a different system then, a 4-4-2. But bring it back, because that season, the two teams that were playing 4-4-2 were Watford, who did really well, and Leicester, who won the league that who year. won the league, So bring yes. back Igalo and a 4-4-2, please. <laughs> Have you got any golden, golden oldies? Like a really proper, yeah. proper old... Um, I don't think so. I mean, the, the player that I would like to have seen 
play was Eric Cantona. I, I, oh my gosh, that makes me feel so. I'm old. not saying he's a golden golden. I thought oldie. you were going to go for someone from the 1900s. 19, Eric no. Cantona, yes. <laughs> not, but he, I hadn't seen him play, so in that in that sense, it felt like you know I I would have loved to have seen him play properly um, rather than in, just in soccer aid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also think that he would plug that gap in terms of creative uh, for Manchester United because I think that is the one thing that you're missing is that player that can just go and drive the ball and do something with it and turn a game and and he would do that. Uh, Let's go on to any other business. Just before we close the show, uh, let's think about some other stories that we might have missed from the world of football this week. I will get us started. Uh, Because we called the offside rule, I feel like every time there's an update to the offside law, as some people like to point out it should be called, I think that we need to make sure that everyone's aware of that. what that is. And Arsene Wenger, who now has this role at FIFA as head of global development, has suggested, with all the VAR shenanigans, that there should be a clear daylight rule. That is what we that is what we're all crying out for, isn't it? Because then we wouldn't have this millimetre, this toenail being offside. This is good, yes. Is anyone against it? I'm not sure. I, th- I just I just think I just think you're moving the debate then on to something else. Do you not yeah, think? I've, I've also read quite a lot about any part of the goal scorer that's onside. That means it's onside. That's also a debate at the moment as well, I think. Whereas that, that you can literally have your whole where you can score with your head, your head being offside, and your your toe. It just then flips the part of the body with the offsides, and it just it, it's it's creating more carnage than it's worth, isn't it? And daylight, I mean, daylight will mean different things to different people. Exactly. No, daylight means you no, but, see daylight between it. Like the has yeah, to, how, however narrow the gap is, you can that's see what I daylight. Mean, but, but the people in Stockley Park, that might they. Some that's easier to see than to, a toenail, isn't it? Yeah, well, again, the fact that we're even debating about whether you can see a toenail or a little smidgen of light in between a player and the defender is just just mental in itself, isn't it? That we're, that we're... I'm for this. I think Arsene's done good here. It's not going to happen, by the way, for this Euros uh, in the summer, but it is being discussed. OK, Harriet, what else have you got? Uh, players in Spain's top women's division, uh, they've signed a collective agreement on pay. Uh, so they went on strike in November, so Premier Division fixtures were postponed, but now they've come to an agreement, so that's good news in Spain for the women's game. Uh, and speaking of women's football, the She Believes Cup, we've got an update on that because that starts next month. Phil Neville announced his squad, and just a couple of the standout sort of takeaways from that. Fran Kirby and Jodie Taylor not included, if you've been used to watching them as lionesses over the last couple of tournaments, um, mainly because for Fran, in her case, she's been overcoming some illness. But some great news for West Ham's Grace Fisk and Everton's Sandy McIver, both getting their call-ups at the ages of 22 and 21. They must be delighted, their family. So well done to them. Uh, bring it back to Spain briefly. News that Martin Braithwaite, the name right, might ring a bell with Middlesbrough fans. Uh, striker has been playing his football at Leganay, who was struggling a bit in La Liga to say the least. He now finds himself playing at the new Camp for Barcelona in a strange twist of fate. Um, what's allowed this to happen is there's a rule now in La Liga that if your player is out injured for five months or more, uh, you are able to make what's an effectively an emergency signing. So they've done just that. And as long as you meet the player buyout clause, the club that the player is with can't argue 
So they've got absolutely no chance of fighting that leg and A. And uh, Mr. Braithwaite's on his way to play for Barcelona. There can't be, <laughs> can there? There can't be many players from Borough that have ended up at Barcelona. Did you know as well, there's a buyout clause in that contract. 300 million euros, 251 million pounds. Wow. It's sort of an inflated version of Igalo. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can say that. Going to Man United, do you <laughs> yeah. think? On a lower scale, yeah. Harriet? I don't know. And I'll squeeze another in. Now, for any listeners that rent their property, I rent one in North London. Conversations with your landlord, they're never that easy, are they? If they get in touch with you, it's usually something pretty negative. I'm a really nice landlady. They, they really? Yes, yes, she is. <laughs> okay. Well, my experience, unfortunately, hasn't been so positive. If you're getting in touch with them, it's because you've broken something or, yeah, to moan about something negative if they're getting in touch with you, it's because the rent's gone up or they're going to turf you out. Imagine your landlord is Neil Warnock. So <laughs> there is this hilarious tweet that's doing the rounds uh, from a boy called Reese Stevens uh, who just took a snap of him in his front room. It was met with a lot of speculation whether or not it was him because it was a little bit blurry, the photo. But no, Reese says Neil Warnock is genuinely my landlord. You, you wouldn't miss a rent deadline, no, would you? I <laughs> I, and I wouldn't put it past uh, I wouldn't put it past Neil to to get the heavies out if he was owed some money, would you? No, no not at all. He's connected, isn't he, Neil? Uh, well, that's all we've got time for on today's show. Keep up with everything Offside Rule related via Twitter and Insta at Offside Rule Pod. On our website as well, you can read some of the best up and coming football writers. Harriet was once one of them. Go to offsiderulepodcast.com and see what's out there this week. Uh, a big thank you to Harriet and Emma for sharing the mic with me this week and keeping me company. Uh, listeners, we'll speak again next time. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. listeners i'm caroline barker host of the totally football league show i'm joined each week by sam parkin say hello sam hi caroline by adrian clark say hello adrian hello and the bolton wanderers fan too not adrian but joe critty looking forward to league two yes <laughs> each week we go headfirst into the efl to bring you the latest from the pitches to the next crisis to whatever ian holloway has said now from leeds to luton sunderland to plymouth swindon to stevenage and everything in between if it's the EFL you want, we've got you covered, haven't we, Ollie? Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> Your guess is as good as ours. That's the Totally Football League show out every Wednesday. In the most delightful way. It's brilliant. I just love it. Muddy News Media. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.